Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. It's good to see all of you. Let's begin our time of worship together. I'm going to have you stand as we sing together. God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son. Amen. We celebrate that this morning. Let's sing together. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners, come find his mercy, come to the table he will satisfy. Taste of his goodness, find what you're looking for. For God so loved the world that he gave us, his one and only Son to save us. Whoever believes in him will live forever. Bring all your failures. Bring your addictions, come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting there with open arms. For God so loved the world that he gave us, his one and only son to save us. Whoever believes in him will live. The power of hell forever defeated Now it is well I'm walking in freedom For God so loved God so loved the world Praise God Praise God From whom all blessings flow
Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Amen. You may be seated. Hello, church, and Merry Christmas all the way from South Asia. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Katie Coyce, and I am currently serving the Lord in South Asia. I have been so blown away just by pits and your giving uh, to, to Lottie Moon over the past few years. And just especially this year as I have felt the just direct effects of, of your giving, I can genuinely say that we would not be able to be doing what we're doing without your support financially. So I just want to say thank you so much for how you prayerfully and cheerfully give uh, to Lottie Moon and your giving really does help us reach unreached places and people with the good news. Um, many of you have asked how you can be supporting my team and I as we're here serving in South Asia and it's that season again of giving to Lottie Moon and that is seriously one of the best ways to to be supporting my team. So my team is very excited for what the Lord has in store for us for this next year. Um, we have been discipling and sharing with college students and young professionals all over the city that I've been serving in and we're super excited for how the Lord is already moving in the city and how he has just prepared the way for um, what is to come in this next year. So I just want to say thank you so much for your giving um, and want to encourage you to prayerfully consider uh, giving to Lottie Moon this year. I uh, hope you have a very Merry Christmas. Good morning, Pitts family. Uh, hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, and while I'm not with you here in person today, I'm glad that we uh, all together worldwide can be celebrating the joyful news of Jesus coming to this earth. Uh, the one that gives us this great hope that we have uh, and this reason to come together this morning to sing his praises. Uh, something that you've also heard about in the past couple weeks and months, and you also hear about again this morning, is something called Lottie Moon. Uh, and this is a program where the offerings of, of fellowships and churches here in the United States are given directly to worldwide missions. And so as what happens is that those resources go into a large pot that directly help out with uh, missionary work all over the world, including my team and I, and the things that we need and every day. For example, the money that's used to pay for rent for our apartments uh, comes directly from money that's received through Lottie Moon, or whether that is food. Uh, when we are helping out people in need, this is coming from your direct generosity that's given through this program. And so, first of all, we want to say thank you for giving to a program. My team and I who live in a place in the world that I can't talk about on camera, we just want to say thank you so much that even though you are not with us there in person, uh, we directly feel the uh, your active contribution and your active participation in the work to see the nations be reached uh, and heard the gospel. Um, we know this and we feel this each and every day. So we say thank you. We also want to encourage you to give 
um, and to continue to share the good news about Jesus yourselves. Uh, the work will not end uh, until he comes back and uh, until everybody knows and everybody hears. And so as we look forward to this day where we are all worshiping around the throne, uh, in this spirit we continue to work together and strive forward for the sake of the gospel. And so think about these things as you uh, hear more about Lottie Moon, and especially as you are celebrating here uh, Christmas, uh, the arrival uh, of our Savior, God with us. Thank you. Have a great morning. Well, good morning. Isn't it great to hear from our friends who are serving around the world? Uh, I want to just ask you to continue to pray for them uh, when you do your daily prayer time. Think about them. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit here in, in a little bit about uh, Lottie Moon. But let me say Merry Christmas to everyone. Hopefully you had an awesome day yesterday, spending time with your immediate family and extended family. I know that's probably still happening even today. Uh, we do want to welcome all of our guests that are with us. If you're a guest, thank you for choosing to worship with us this morning. We ask that you fill out one of the care cards that's located in the pew rack there in front of you and then place it in one of the boxes as you leave. They're on the round tables. And also on the back of the care card, if you have a prayer need, we would like to know about that. That's for everyone, and we want to know what's going on in your life and be praying for you. So take a moment to fill it out. You can also place that in the boxes as you leave this morning. So last week, last Monday at 7.28 a.m., something happened in my life to bring you an update. I actually have pictures, but guys, can you help me up in the booth? Thank you. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Uh, Silas James was born at 728. He's seven pounds of pure muscle, uh, 18 and a half inches of handsomeness, and I'm going to be one of those grandparents. <laughs> it's it's going to be bad, y'all. I'm sorry. But anyway, uh, no, we're excited to death. We did get to see him twice last week and get to snuggle and hold him. And so what a, I tell you, I told Bryce and I said, if anybody could go through that process and deny there's a God, something's wrong because every birth is a miracle to see those little ones and to know that uh, God has been intricately weaving uh, that person inside of another person that that's mind-boggling um, and so just to see that again and that that reminder was a good thing uh, this past week but thank you for your prayers everybody's doing well and at home so thank you and let me let me uh, let us celebrate another thing Lottie Moon guys you blew the doors off of our goal last week over ninety thousand dollars has come in up to this point wow so you know what those folks were talking about on the screen you're already doing that we'll leave that open through the end of january if you had not had a chance yet to give uh, you can still do that and uh, just the way uh, this church gives period not just a lot of moon but all of your gifts folks thank you for your faithfulness in doing that. It's always a huge encouragement to the staff uh, to see that happen. So thank you for all that you do. Uh, uh, regular budget gifts uh, that you want to be applied to 2021 need to be received by noon on Friday, December 31st at the office. There'll be somebody there to take those for you if you want to have those applied to this year. And then the schedule this week's a little different. We do not, uh, the office will be closed tomorrow. And then no Wednesday night activities other than the youth lock-in, right, Kevin, at 9 p.m.? And you need volunteers still to spend the whole night here, right? Everybody 
Okay. So, yeah. You, good luck with that, Kev. Yeah. Um, a new members class is going to be beginning, beginning on January the 9th. It'll be a four-week class that will actually meet during the Sunday school time slot at 9 o'clock. So if you've recently joined the church uh, or you're thinking about joining Pitts Baptist, we'll have that class that will meet down in the core gym. Uh, Seth Williams will be teaching that for four weeks. Just a great opportunity to hear what is involved in the, the, the broad spectrum of Pitts Baptist Church, kind of getting a 10,000-foot view of what we do as a church, and also give you an opportunity to ask questions and, and hear from maybe even some of our staff people. Uh, but a great information class for you, uh, and we encourage all of those that have recently joined to, to sign up for that. Next Sunday, we'll have a sign-up sheet in the foyer, or if you would like to call the office to sign up for that to make sure we have the right amount of, uh, I think they have snacks, and we have uh, handouts and all that. To make sure we have all that in preparation, just let us know that you're coming. Again, it'll be for four weeks during the Sunday school uh, time slot. Uh, also, I think Aaron Ford is here. Aaron, where are you? Right over here. Would you stand? He is home for the holidays. Great to have you. And uh, we've been praying for you, man, and great to have you home. Uh, is Scotty uh, Johnson here also? Is Scotty with us? I don't think he's with, He was here at the Christmas Eve uh, service, and so it was great to see him back from basic training, too. But some of our guys that are serving with our military will need to remember them in prayer. At this time, Kevin Knight's coming for our scripture reading and prayer this morning. Jonathan, I believe you and I are behind. We need to get our kids ready to get married and have some kids so that we can show pictures up on the screen and everything. <laughs> hey, y'all can come to the lock-in, really. It's not, it's not just for youth parents. So uh, if, if Linda Strickland and Becky Brackett can come and help chaperone, which they are this year, anybody can come. So y'all come. That'll be a fun night. So... Well, let's give attention to the word of the Lord found in Colossians chapter 3. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part uh, of this world. But now in, the, in this time, get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. 
Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let's pray together. Father, we have every reason to be thankful. Lord God, we thank you for this time of year where we celebrate you coming to us as a babe to live a perfect, sinless life, to become righteousness for us, to die on a cross that we all deserve, and to raise again, to conquer death, sin, and the grave. Lord, we have much to be thankful as a body of the Lord Jesus who meets here this morning to worship the one who came to save us. God, we have every reason to fight sin in our life because you have forgiven us of those sins. Lord, help us to strive for holiness in our life so that others may see the love of the Lord Jesus as a reality in our lives. Father, I pray that we fight sin with everything that we have. And God, we have every reason to be thankful, Lord, that we can meet together as a body of believers in this place to lift on high the name of the Lord Jesus. And we pray this morning, Lord, that as we, as we do so, that the name of Jesus is magnified. And we pray, Father, that as your word tells us that when that happens, that you draw all people unto yourself. And Lord, even in the midst of hardship, we thank you that your presence is ever near and dear to us, that it's close to the Oxford family, even now, as they uh, have to deal with the loss of their daughter, Rachel, and the Nortons, and there are so many that come to mind who are, are sick, but Lord, you are close to the brokenhearted. You are a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And we thank you and we praise you for that. Lord, we thank you for those who uh, are representatives of this church on the mission field. And we thank you, Father, for their sacrifice of, of, of their lives, Father, that they take to heart the words of John the Baptist, that they must become less, that you would become greater still. We thank you for their faithfulness in serving you. And Lord, we thank you so much for those who are serving in our armed forces to protect us here. 
Lord God, we pray your richest blessings upon them and their families as they seek and continue to do so. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you, God, for loving us first. And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior, our soon-coming King. Amen. Would you stand as we continue in worship together? And sing. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconciled Joyful all ye nations rise Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Hail the heaven Prince of Peace, hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all he Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give him second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. King of heaven, heaven come now let your glory reign shining like the day king of heaven come king of heaven rise up who can stand against us you are strong to save in your mighty name king of heaven King of 
King of heaven, come now. Let your glory reign, shining like the day. King of heaven, come. King of heaven, rise up. Who can stand against us? You are strong to save in your mighty name. King of heaven, come. King of heaven, come. King of heaven, come. King of heaven, your glory reign shining like the day king of heaven come your name is a strong and mighty tower your name is a shelter like no other your name let the nation sing it loud Cause nothing has the power to say That your name Is a strong and mighty tower Your name Is a shelter like no other Your name Let the nation sing it loud Nothing has the power to fail but your name. God with us, Emmanuel. God with us, Psalm 24, beginning in verse 7, says, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory might come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Amen. You may be seated. Fulfill the Lord. 
thank the Epic College Band. Uh, take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to Titus chapter 2 as we look at a subject matter today, living in light of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Living in light of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Uh, let me just echo what Pastor Seeger has already said about your giving to Lottie. All I can say is way to go. Uh, your generosity is certainly something that we continue to give God thanks for. Uh, even in the way this year, this last quarter of the year, you've caught up much of the budget shortfall. Uh, from all appearances, because we're a little uncertain reconciling giving with expenses, but it looks like the deficit for this year is down somewhere probably around $20,000 to make up. 
So uh, we hope this final week of 21 that we'll make up that budget deficit. As uh, was mentioned through Friday at noon, you can uh, give uh, gifts to the general fund budget as well. And we certainly welcome that to make up any shortfall. Uh, Pastor Knight alluded in his prayer to Rachel. Many of you heard this at the Christmas Eve service. The little girl who, who uh, sits over here to my right, your left, in the wheelchair. She's not a little girl. She's little for her age. She was 15. Uh, Rachel Oxford has had terrible health problems her entire life. When she was nine years of age, had a... Uh, massive heart attack uh, due to, to some other health problems and they didn't really expect her to make it then many of you then were praying for her as she also had to have a leg amputated during that same hospital stay uh, Friday morning Kimberly Oxford went in to wake her up and Rachel had passed away in her sleep so pray for Ricky and Kimberly Oxford uh, they're planning a memorial service here on uh, Saturday January the 15th at 2 p.m. preceded by visitation so keep this family uh, in your prayers if you would please stand with me for the reading of God's Word Titus chapter 2 Titus 2 and let's begin in verse 11, we'll read down through verse 14. Again, living in light of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Paul writes to Timothy and says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lust, and to live a, in a sensible righteous and godly way in the present age while we wait for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession eager to do good works Father, we're so grateful for this past year and the way that you have been with us in so many ways. Uh, we don't have time in this service to recount all of the ways. But Lord, we are grateful for your constant watch care over our lives. And the fact that you are with us. There's never a day in the life of the believer that you are not with that person through the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that we would live with that reminder every day of our lives that everything we do, we literally do in your presence. Lord, may our lives be filled with a degree of soberness and self-control because of that. May we live to bring you glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, obviously, I don't have to tell you, Christmas has come and gone. 
And it is absolutely amazing. I don't know if you're like me. It is amazing where the year 2021 went. And the fact that Christmas is already come and gone. I don't know where the months go. But uh, the Christmas gifts have been opened. The Christmas meal has been eaten. The guests have gone back home. Well, maybe. Uh, the decorations have been taken down and probably this week manger scenes are going to be put away. Uh, when Connie and I lived in Gastonia before coming to Pitts, we had a next door neighbor. We were very good friends with David and Christy Brown. And uh, they had small children uh, about the age of ours. And we always laughed at Christy because you could look out your window right after lunch on Christmas Day. And she already had the tree and any decorations that were going out to the garbage. She already had everything out to the curb. And she was like, I'm so done with this. I just want to get my house and everything back to normal. Maybe you're a little bit that way. Perhaps there's a little bit of letdown in others. And you're asking, okay, another Christmas has come and gone. What now? And you know, you know, our text today answers that question in a beautiful way. We see from our text in a very brief and summary fashion the significance of what we've just celebrated. We see what the incarnation of Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas truly brings. And it's such a beautiful text because it presents salvation in its three aspects. The aspect of our justification, the aspect of our sanctification, and the aspect of our soon coming glorification when we're with Christ one day. You know, sometimes you'll hear people express it this way. I have been saved, and they're referring back to that point in time that they gave their hearts and lives to Jesus. They'll say, I have been saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. Well, that's what they're referring to, salvation in those three tenses. And Paul is beautifully summarizing all of that up here in, in this one text. I want you to see with me, first of all, this morning, Jesus' incarnation brings salvation. Now, when I use the term incarnation, of course, I'm referring to everything about Jesus' life and ministry. Not only the fact that he came in the flesh, but his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Everything associated with his coming. We know that the incarnation of Jesus Christ brings salvation. Paul says here in verse 11, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. What does he say has appeared? The grace of God. How has it appeared? Well, we know as we read the Bible in its entirety that it has appeared in many ways. But we know that in a final and complete way, it appeared in the incarnation of God's only begotten Son. 
And folks, this is what the entire storyline of the Bible is telling us. God spoke in many ways in the past, the writer of Hebrews says, but in these last days, He has spoken to us in His final and complete way. He has spoken to us in Jesus Christ. God's grace is not spoken of here in Titus 2 in either an abstract or theological way. It is spoken of as appearing in a person. His grace embodied in a person. Like when John says, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Now look at the word appear here in verse 11. It refers to a sudden arrival. It's a sudden bursting forth. Like the sun suddenly rising over the horizon. Have you ever been at the beach, got up really early before uh, daybreak and you're looking out across the ocean water and all of a sudden there you see the sun coming up. You see it coming up over the horizon and boom, it's all of a sudden there above the water. A sudden appearing, at least it appears that way. The word here is the word from which we get our word epiphany. In the incarnation of Jesus Christ, we have a sudden epiphany of the grace of God at its very highest. Now, it had been prophesied for centuries, but when it happened, it happened quickly. Mary and Joseph had traveled to Bethlehem to register for the census, and while there, Mary delivered her child. It happened quickly. It happened suddenly. At his birth, the Son, the Son of God, confined himself to the limitations of human flesh as a man. Fully God and now also fully man. Now we know it's not as though the grace of God had never been on the scene before. The Old Testament is absolutely filled page after page with occurrences of the grace of God appearing to his people. I mean you think of some of those occasions. When the Israelites were in bondage there in Egypt and they were suffering and they were crying out to God, the, the biblical text tells us that God heard their cries and decided to deliver them. That is an act of God's grace. So many other occasions like that in the Old Testament. Again, page after page, even in the Old Covenant, we see demonstrations of the grace of God appearing to His people. But you know, none of those occurrences could even begin to equal what happened in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Verse 11 points out that God in his grace has brought salvation. Uh, again, think of the contrast with the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. All of the sacrifices of the Old Covenant were a temporary covering 
of sin. Every year in all of those sacrifices and chiefly in the sacrifice made on the day of atonement, all of those sacrifices were a reminder, the writer of Hebrews says, they were a reminder of the people's sins every year. And it was a reminder to them that, that in these sacrifices their sins were going to be covered again for another year. But that's all those sacrifices were going to do, a temporary covering until the next one because all of those sacrifices were incomplete. They were a shadow of the perfect sacrifice to come. And in Christ, the final and complete sacrifice that was offered, our sins were finally removed, not just covered, removed, forgiven completely to the point that there remains no other sacrifice for sin. Amen? Aren't you glad of that? There is no other sacrifice needed for sin. It's been offered in Christ. No wonder Christ said on the cross, what? What were those words? It is finished. Exactly. Folks, we could not do this. God had to be the one to do this. We can't obtain salvation on our own. It is a gift that has appeared. Again, for, for God, we quoted it a moment ago, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God's given this gift. You know, so many people think of salvation in terms of subtraction. All I've got to do to be saved is subtract a few things from my life that I know God's not pleased with. You know, maybe everybody's got this list of dirty dozen or so that, hey, I know if I'm going to be right with God, I've got to deal with these things in my life. If I can deal with those things in my life, then maybe God will accept me and love me. Others think in terms of addition. There are things that I need to add to my life. I need to add some good deeds to my life. If I do enough of those, maybe God will love me and accept me. And you know, that's Paul's point in the book of Romans about what the Jews tried to do. He says the Jews set aside God's righteousness in Christ and tried to plug in their own righteousness of the law and good deeds. And it doesn't work that way. I think of the rich young ruler, though, who ran up to Jesus on one occasion thinking this way. He said, good teacher, what must I do in order to be saved? I've done this. He reviewed all the commands with Christ. I've done all these things. What's one more thing I need to add to my life that'll finally make up that magic combination? And I'll be right with God. And you know, that way seems logical to man, doesn't it? It seems logical to the human mind that if I subtract certain things that are not pleasing to God out of my life, add certain other good deeds in that are pleasing to Him, the logical mind would tell us, you know, maybe that's the key. If I just do enough of that, that's the key. It's no wonder in the book of Proverbs, the Bible says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ways thereof are the ways of death. Scripture says, by way of contrast to any thoughts of subtraction or addition, 
It says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation. It's not a matter of subtraction and addition. It's a matter of reception. It's a gift. God has done it in Christ. And what you and I are called upon to do is simply look to Christ and Christ alone. Trusting Him and Him alone to make us right with God. I think of the experience of a young man named Michael who was in seminary. And while in seminary, as customarily you have to do, you have to take a class on pastoral care education and a lot of times there'll be a practicum in that and Michael had to do one of those practicums down at the local hospital in a suburb of Chicago and late one night he received a phone call to come down there and minister to a family there was a there was a 16 year old young lady who had a passenger with her one evening, a 12-year-old young lady in the passenger seat. And this 16-year-old young lady had backed into a streetlight post. And as she backed into it, it had collapsed and fallen over top of the car and crushed in the roof of the car. The 16-year-old had just minor injuries, but her 12-year-old passenger suffered Fatal brain injuries. And the family had been called in to pull her off of life support. And Michael was called in to be there with that family as they were doing that. And soon thereafter, Michael went to the room of the 16-year-old. And and she was pretty well physically shaken up, of course. But emotionally, she was a mess. She was a wreck. And she looked at Michael and she said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go over to that family's house every day. And I'm going to vacuum and sweep and clean their house and do their laundry, do all their dishes, cut their grass, whatever, any errands they want run for them. I'm going to do all of that. I'm going to do everything that I took the life of their daughter. I'm going to do everything I can possibly do now to be the best daughter they've ever had. Michael helped her to gradually realize the truth that no matter what she did, she could never replace their daughter. She could never do enough to make up for what had been done. All she could do is trust that the parents would one day forgive her, which they did. And in realizing that, she was set free from trying to repay a debt that she could never repay. Folks, that's what God has done for us in Christ. He's forgiven us. In Christ, we're redeemed. We're released from the penalty of sin. We were slaves. We were were sold into the bondage of sin. But in Christ, we're purchased by by the blood of Christ and we're freed from the penalty of sin. We're a purchased people, a redeemed people, redeemed from the penalty of sin. We're justified in a judicial sense. We're declared not guilty. We're also reconciled in terms of our relationship with the Heavenly Father. The relationship has been put back together or reconciled through Christ. And now in Christ and through Him, we are at peace with God. And how does this happen? It all happens because of a person. The grace of God that has appeared 
in Jesus Christ. You know, at Christmas we celebrate the birth of Christ. We celebrate the announcement of the angels, the visit of the wise men. We talk about the rage of Herod being outsmarted. We talk about the probable, probable emotions of Mary and Joseph. Uh, at being front and center and in God's unfolding uh, drama that's going on. But, but what you and I need to see, folks, is beyond all of these Christmas narrative stories that we're reading at any one time, there's a larger purpose of God at work that's bigger than any one single story in and of itself. That larger purpose... Of what God had spoken about since all the way back in the book of Genesis. Now being fulfilled. The incarnation was for the purpose of substitution. 1 Peter 2, 24. Peter says, and he himself bore our sins in his own body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. 1 Peter 3, 18 says, for Christ also died for our sins once for all, the just for the unjust in order that he might bring us to God. The just died for the unjust. That's substitution. And without the incarnation... There would be no substitution. There would still just be those incomplete sacrifices. Without substitution, you and I would still be guilty. We would still be in our sin. You see, folks, the bad news is you're a sinner. The the worst news is you and I cannot save ourselves. But the good news is we don't have to. The best news is Jesus has done it all. That's so contrary to the American way of thinking, the thinking in the West in general, right? I mean, what do we think of? What are slogans you probably grew up hearing? You get what you pay for. God helps those who help themselves. There is no such thing as a free lunch. We grow up hearing all of these things. But the Bible says here the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation. It's not earned. It is a matter of grace. The grace of God. It's appeared bringing salvation to all people. Now uh, Paul doesn't mean here that everybody is saved. We're not universalist. He simply means all without distinction, whether Jew or Gentile or slave or free or circumcised or uncircumcised. The salvation that God offers in Christ goes out and crosses all ethnic and national boundaries. Aren't you glad of that? It's not just for one people. That's why we give to things like Lottie Moon. To help take the gospel around the globe. I want you to see that the message of Christmas is not that you just get some time off. Or that you get some nice gifts. Or that you get to renew some old acquaintances. But the message of Christmas is that God made salvation possible. The grace of God has appeared through Christ bringing salvation. And you know maybe to somebody here this morning. It's finally beginning to dawn on you and make sense. That you need Christ. 
God's been speaking to you perhaps lately and convicting you of your sin and and your need of Christ. And in just a few minutes, I'm going to give you the opportunity during, during a hymn of invitation to come forward and pray with one of the pastors and surrender your life to Christ and make a public profession of faith. In fact, I would say to you, you don't even have to wait till then. Right now in the prophecy of your seat, you can cry out to God and say, Oh God, help me, save me, I need Christ. Folks, this is what Christmas is all about. Don't make it about lesser things. Secondly, I want you to see Jesus' incarnation demands transformation. Look at verse 12. He says, instructing us. He's still talking about the grace of God has appeared. Now he's saying it it instructs us to deny godlessness and worldly lust and to live in a sensible righteous and godly way in the present age and so through Christ God's grace not only releases us from the penalty of sin but it also releases us from the power of sin not only can you be forgiven but you can have a changed life a new life If any man be in Christ, say it with me, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In fact, in Ephesians 2.10, we're told that God has saved us for good works. This life of transformation. He's just spoken of the fact that salvation is Only by grace through faith in Christ. Not of ourselves lest we would boast. But as soon as he makes that clear he turns to point out that those who are saved by grace are now they're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Now folks don't mess up the order. Good works can never be the root of your salvation but they are to be the fruit of your salvation. Paul points out here that if we are a purified people then we are to live like a purified people are supposed to live like. It's not that we won't sin But it is that sin and Satan no longer have dominion over us. This verse here shows the impact that the grace of God has on you once you are saved. In other words, salvation is only the beginning of the journey. Folks, so many people have this messed up in their life. They're like, you know, the Christian life is that I just finally get saved one day. And boom, that's it. That's that's all it was about. Hey, now just go on about my business. Do whatever I want. No, salvation is the beginning of the journey. It's the start of a lifelong journey. Like a married couple at the altar when they say, I do to one another, the beginning of the marriage, but they spend the rest of their lives growing in intimacy with one another. 
You say, I do to Jesus, committing yourself to him, surrendering to him. And then you spend the rest of your life getting to know him and allowing the Holy Spirit to take God's word and conform you more and more to the image of Christ. You become a usable vessel to the Lord in this age, in this world. And that transformation that verse 12 is speaking of there, there's a term given to that. Sanctification. We're constantly being renewed and made new creations in Christ, conformed to the image of Christ. Oh, we were saved at a point in time, but we're to continue to grow and be transformed and grow in Christ's likeness. And as such, the grace of God in this stage teaches us some things, he says there in verse 12. It's very instructive. You see, the the whole Bible has us in school, right? Before being saved, what did the Old Testament have us in? It had us in law school. You were in law school. You didn't know that, did you? You were in law school. And what did the law do? It pointed out your sin in need of a Savior. Couple one time driving through a little country town. And driving through that little country town on that little highway at night. All, the little three-year-old boy in the back seat could hear all those bugs out in the country. Pop, 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 hitting the windshield. When they drove out of the... When, when they came into that town more and, and their bright city lights... What did he see on the windshield? So all those smashed up bugs. When they were riding through the town and the lights were shining. And the little boy said, look mommy and daddy, the lights have made the windshield dirty. And when they left town and went back out into the countryside, the dark countryside again, the little three-year-old then said, look, Daddy, the dark made the windshield clean. Well, of course, the light didn't make the windshield dirty, and the dark certainly didn't make the windshield clean. The light only pointed out the dirt, and the darkness only hid it. And you know what? That's why a lot of people don't open up their Bible and read and study the Bible and surrender their lives to Christ, because when they read the Bible and they see the light, the light does what? Exposes their dirt. Becomes uncomfortable. They want to hide from that. But now that we're saved, we're beyond that point of the law school pointing out our sin. We're in the school of grace. You're not in law school anymore. You're in God's school of grace. And Paul points out here, God's school of grace. When you're getting that education, that points out some things too. First of all, he mentions two of them. One of them in the negative, the other in the positive. The negative, God's grace teaches us to do what? To deny sin. You see, while grace teaches us that God loves you just the way you are, grace also teaches you that God loves you too much to keep you the way that you are. Those who say that grace gives them freedom to live any way they want to live don't even understand grace. The grace of God may be free, but it certainly wasn't cheap. 
A person who really understands grace, who's experienced grace, really understands that. Wants to live in a way honoring to God. Folks, grace doesn't teach us that now that we're forgiven, we can leap into sin and love it. Grace teaches us to be grateful, to live lives honoring to the Lord. You know, John, the Apostle John's even going to write in 1 John that if we say that we know God and we continue to walk in darkness and disobedience, we lie. We don't know God. John says, we've not been changed by Him. Because if we know Him and have been changed by Him and been made a new creation in Christ, we're going to desire to be more like Him and walk as He walked, John says. It shouldn't surprise us at all that the Apostle Paul here and the Apostle John are in perfect agreement. If you can live any way you desire and do whatever you want to do and your attitude is, I'm going to do what I want to do regardless of what God says in His Word, then you need to examine whether or not you've even been born again or not. What's your relationship to sin? Do you desire to be clean before God? Do you desire God's help to put to death those things in the flesh that you still struggle with and you know don't please God. You see, that's a sign of sonship. A positive thing God's grace teaches us to desire sanctification. To desire this transformation. Look at these words here. Sensibly, righteously, godly. Sensibly refers to self-control. We can now have self-control. We can have good judgment. We can, we can be sober. Live with a sober-mindedness now. Again, does this mean that sin won't be present in our lives at all anymore? No, but the key is sin's no longer your master before Sin was your master, but now you have a new master. You're under new management, Christ the Lord. Righteousness or righteously refers to how we conduct ourselves in the world or how we live out the principles of Scripture. Now we can live out, we can live in, in a right way to please God. And Jesus is our example here. Remember in his high priestly prayer, he said, Father, I've done what you've given me to do. What would Jesus have you do? He would have you live according to the will and purposes of God. We are to follow in his footsteps. We are to live right and do right, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's how we're to live. The word godly here refers to the vertical relationship. We're to live in fellowship with God in all ways. Uh, we are to seek God as Christians and we're to yield to Him. We're to desire to know Him. We're to be godly. We're to be like Him. As 1 Peter 1 says, God, uh, Peter is quoting from Leviticus where God says, Be ye holy for I the Lord your God am holy. That's living in godliness. And notice when and where Paul says we are to live this way. Sensibly, righteously, godly. Again, we're not to be thinking as Christians, you know, I'll get there one day when I get to glory and see Jesus. Hey, I'll finally live that way. I'll try to live sensibly, righteously, godly. What's Peter say? 
You're to live sensibly, righteously, godly in this present age. Now. Right now. It's the people around us right now that need to see this in us. People aren't going to believe your testimony or my testimony if they see ungodly lives. So again, because the incarnation, God brings us grace leading to salvation, and then He brings us into this state of being sanctified where we can pursue godliness. And that ought to be the direction of your life and my life. Like Kevin Knight read earlier, Paul says, if you've been raised up with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then thirdly and quickly, I want you to see that Jesus' incarnation ultimately brings the glorification of God's children. Look at verse 13. He says, while we wait for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The incarnation which shows us that Jesus came the first time to save also points us to a future time when He's going to come again to receive us unto Himself. God's grace impacts us in this world, but God's grace at the same time looks beyond this world. And tells us that this life, this world, and the grave is not the end for the child of God. Amen? We've got a blessed hope. And one of these days, just as we've been delivered from the penalty of sin and the power of sin, one of these days we're even going to be delivered from what? The presence of sin. There is a day of glory coming for the saints of God. You know, the Bible tells us one of these days, this world and universe as we know it's going to pass away. Peter says in 2 Peter 3 that it's going to melt away in the heat. Everything's going to be dissolved. And we're going we're to have new glorified bodies living with God, dwelling with God in the new heavens and the new earth where righteousness dwells. What a day of glory that's going to be. And what a shame that people will be left behind. But I can tell you right now, no Christian will be left behind. Think about it this way. When Jesus came the first time, he came to take sin away from us. When he comes again, it'll be to take us away from sin. And in the meantime, we are to be looking. We're to be waiting and looking. And we're to be living like we are leaving. Amen? You know, too many Christians are living as though they're trying to invest permanently in this age, in this world. It's foolish. All of this is passing away. The Bible points out he's coming again, folks, and there's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. We'll be with him. And God says in Revelation 21 that he will dwell among men. That makes the return of Christ, as Paul says here, the return of Christ as we look for that. That is our blessed hope as we look forward to all of that. That is our blessed hope. You know, a lot of people in this world look forward to so many things. There are probably some people already looking forward to Christmas next year. Or they're looking forward to payday, to pay some of the debts from Christmas this year. Or they're looking for the weekend, or they're looking for a special vacation trip. They're always looking for something. 
you and I are to be looking for that day Christ comes for his bride. Because when he comes for his bride, there's going to be a glorious union with Christ. 1 John 3 says, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him just as he is. There's going to be this wonderful union with Christ. Not only that, the glorious return of Jesus Christ is going to mean a reunion with saved loved ones. Paul speaks of that in 1 Thessalonians 4. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. It's going to be a, a union with Christ, a reunion with saved loved ones and it's also going to mean a glorious transformation of these weak bodies 1 Corinthians 15 Paul says so also is the resurrection of the dead it is sown a perishable body it is raised an imperishable body it is sown in dishonor it is raised in glory it is sown in weakness it is raised in power it's sown a natural body it is raised a spiritual body one of these days there's going to be no more sickness no more death no more crying no more pain for the former things will have passed away. At the return of Christ, all of these things are going to take place. You see why Paul says it's our blessed hope? Because when Christ returns the second time, all of these things are going to happen just like that. How are we to be living until then? The parable of the talents points out while we wait for the master to return we're to be about his business. That's how we're to be living while we're waiting and looking. We're to be about his business. One of these days that midnight cry we're going to hear it. And our faith is going to become sight. And you know what, folks? We're to live like it could be today. Would you bow with me, please? You know, Christmas is a time for giving of gifts. But what I want to know first and foremost, have you received the gift of God's grace? He comes to us packaged in a person, the Lord Jesus. Have you looked to Him and Him alone, trusting Him for your salvation? If not, is God tugging on your heart to receive that gift today? Hey, folks, it's okay that it's the day after Christmas. It's, it's the one gift you don't want to miss any day of the year. Come forward. One of the pastors will pray with you today. If you're saved, are you living like it? Are you responding to God's grace daily? Are you allowing the grace of God to make a difference in the decisions you make every single day? Are you living godly and righteously and through the power of Christ conquering sin in your life is that how you're living 
If not, you need, you need to do some business with God today over this aspect of transformation or sanctification. Are you looking? Are you looking and living like you're looking for His return? We need to live like people who are leaving. Is that the way you're living? Or have you become careless? Careless to the things of God. And your focus has started to drift back downward onto everything that's around you here. Get your eyes back up on Jesus and seek Him. Lord, speak to your people in these moments of quietness. You know hearts. You're sovereign God. Speak to each person. Lord, may they be yielded and surrendered to your will being done in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand, please?